Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar Credit Union, with Jaguar's senior writer, John Osher. All right, welcome to this week's Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar, and I'm excited about this week's guest, as I'm sure a lot of people are going to be. Uh, his profile has really taken off in the last few years with a show that I consider, along with a lot of others, the best football show on television. But he's been doing it a long time before that. Knows the league as well as any national guy that you're going to see. Uh, a Peter Schrager from the NFL Network from Good Morning Football. Honestly, Peter, we've known each other a long time, but I've never really interviewed you in this format. Uh, first of all, welcome. Oh, thanks, dude. I mean, the second you reached out to me, of course, and, and I know that uh, the work you did for a long time covering the Jags and now what you're doing in this multimedia platform, it's as good as it is. So when it comes to all the different teams and when you're getting your information, I always know that when you're talking Jaguars, you don't really know it. You can also be objective about it, which I love. Well, that means a lot. I appreciate that. It's uh, I guess the first thing I want to talk about, obviously we'll go knee deep into the Jaguars very soon. But I, I'm fascinated. I can remember when Good Morning Football first started. And at the time, it was sort of one, the latest of some shows that NFL Network had tried. It seemed like they were trying to find the right combination. And then somehow the chemistry between you guys uh, just took off. I'm assuming here, but I'm assuming that you're going to tell me that that chemistry is what really makes this show work. I'd like to think so, but there's also really good uh, producers and a lot of hard work. It's a grind in that we do a show for three hours every day, Monday to Friday, and we do it 52 weeks a year. So right now we're in March. We're doing prospects and draft and quarterback rumors, but in June we'll be doing it. In July we'll be doing it. In August we'll be doing it. So it's really part of our lives, and we all love the work, and we love working with each other, so it's great. But to your point about you know there was a chemistry and was it going to hit, we never did a show together till our first show. There was no rehearsals, no auditions. It kind of just came together. We all were hired individually, not as a group. Um, I had never met Kay Adams before when we did it, and Nate Burleson and I knew each other, and Kyle and I had going on Jim Rome's show, which he worked on for years, but it, uh, it's pretty lucky. And we give a lot of credit to, that to Mark Quintel, who runs the NFL Network, and uh, to two gentlemen, a guy named Jordan Levin, who used to work at the network, and then Michael Davies, who I know – Jaguars fans might be watching the Premier League a little bit. He's one of the two guys on Men in Blazers. He's also one of our executive producers. Um, he's he's European and he's you know British in his in his presentation on on the soccer world. But he also pitched this idea as a producer for the NFL Network that we do a show based in New York, talking football, but it's not your typical shirt and tie, buttoned up, everyone in a suit. And we're going to be talking X's and O's. In fact, we're going to maybe go a little bit outside the lines of what we usually do on football shows. It's a pretty cool thing in the sense that, you know, I've been following the league since I was a kid. So probably 1970, unfortunately for me. Uh, and I would put this show right now up among, you know, the old Irv Cross just passed yesterday. But the CBS show when yep. I was growing up, um, you know, the shows that sort of define and where people get their message, uh, it changes over the years based on media. It changes over the years based on how people are consuming information. But right now, I feel like you guys are it. When you guys say something, 
everybody knows what good morning football is. I guess my question to you is, do you get an idea from talking to players and people around the league that there's that level of connection? It, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, and you better watch what you say. I mean, truly, uh, you know, <laughs> I can go on. I can go on a couple of sports radio shows and maybe make a comment here and there, and doesn't really get picked up. But I'll give you an example. I mean, last week, I said uh, on the air, I said I spoke with Sean McVay, and he's giddy about the uh, Matt Stafford trade. And it's true. I spoke to Sean McVay, and uh, you know whether or not the words giddy were used or whatever else, I could just tell sense an excitement in him over like, what's going on. But the trade hadn't been done yet. Yeah. So technically, Sean McVay shouldn't be commenting on that. And technically, he hasn't spoken with the local media yet. And I've started a little bit of a, a you know what storm out in LA because the locals hadn't got a chance. He's not addressing it. So how am I able to talk to little things like that? It just shows that people around the league are watching. The media is watching and the players more than anyone is watching. If you if you want to, you know, be critical of a player, you better be willing to to look at that player in the face and say, yeah, I believe what I said. And it only leads to more authentic and more truthful segments. Um, you know, on our show, we're a genuinely positive show. But if I come on the air like I did today and said, I think the I think the Patriots need to look outside of Cam Newton at quarterback. Well, there's a chance Cam Newton saw that. And I'll have to deal with Cam Newton at some point and have to address that. I think that the Patriots have to look somewhere else other than Cam Newton at quarterback. That just goes with the territory of having a show that is well well viewed. But to your point, yeah, you mentioned the passing of Irv Cross, who was a legend that, of course, I grew up watching too. But you think about that show, the NFL today, it was Brent Musburger, it was Irv Cross, a former player, it was Phyllis George, and then it was, you know, Jimmy the Greek. And it wasn't your typical four ex-players talking. If that can be the blueprint, and if you somehow even can compare our show to that one, which is what we strive to someday even be considered um, in the same league as that. that. That's the ultimate honor, and I appreciate that. Final question along these lines, and again, I, I could talk this show with you uh, forever because I'm fascinated by the path there. Um, was there a show early or a time where you sort of knew it was going to click? Because you had had different gigs. You had done a lot of things and you know, yeah. were established, but hadn't really been any part of, of a thing like this that took off. Was there a moment, or was it just sort of a feeling? Yeah, there was. I mean, it, it's funny because you do the show in this little studio for four, for four months and you finish it up and then say, okay, for the first year, we were like, all right, now we're going to Houston to go to the Super Bowl. And we're like, all right, we're going to do the show Super Bowl, which, you know, we've done shows at Super Bowl and all these networks sure. and all these newspapers and all these radio shows. You always We got there and there was actually like at six in the morning, seven in the morning, there were like, a, a, you know, not a huge amount, but there was, you know, 20 fans waiting at 6 a.m. to watch the show in person. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, there are people are wake, waking up at this hour to watch our show. Okay. And then the more and more as the, the events would pile up, whether it be the Hall of Fame or whether it be the draft or when I'd go to the owners' meetings, there would be more and more feedback. So that's the kind of stuff that really means a lot when we do it for each other and we do it to put on a good product. But then when you see that we're connecting with the fans at home and that people actually are motivated to go, see the show in person and share their uh their appreciation for the show that that's when it's like wow it's clicking okay we're kind of making an impact here all right got to talk jags obviously it's a jaguar show and you follow the league as closely as any national guy talk to me about the turnaround in tone in the last month and a half about the jags just with urban with with assuming trevor peter we're assuming now yeah but uh i know just 
What's the difference in terms of uh, vibe and perception, I guess, would be the first question. I, get, I mean, look, I think, and I know <laughs> the cons might be like, I think there was this feeling maybe internally or maybe um, with Jaguars fans that like people were like, oh my God, they got Urban Meyer and they're doing flips. But we've been hearing about Urban Meyer flirting with the NFL for, for five years now. So when it, the actual thing actually happened, I don't think it moved the needle as much as maybe everyone thought where it was going to be like, oh my God. We've also seen college coaches the past few years, whether it be a Cliff Kingsbury or Matt Rule, make the transition to the pros and it not be a, a, a huge name like a Nick Saban or even a Chip Kelly when he went. When you're getting guys from Baylor and Texas Tech getting NFL jobs, it's almost like, yeah, of course Urban Meyer can coach in the NFL. And of course he's got a shot to be a coach, but he's been doing broadcasting. But did anyone really in their heart of hearts think that Urban Meyer had shut the door and was done? No. So Here's the team he ends up with. I think it's a very interesting potential match of Urban Meyer and this really young team. And potentially, again, we can't talk about it as if it's a, a done deal, potentially the greatest quarterback to enter the NFL in the past decade. I think that is what everyone's hanging their head on here. It's optimism and it's curiosity. But by no means is it a slam dunk that Urban Meyer is going to have great success. And by no means was there this great, like, uh, I, I guess reaction around the league of being like, "Ooh, watch out for the Jaguars," because Urban Meyer's the coach. I, I still think that NFL coaches have a lot of pride, and they're like, "Let's see how you do on this level." What is it about the? I mean, uh, it seems like, as you mentioned, Rule, Kingsbury. Uh, you know, they haven't been in the playoffs, so it's hard to say they've had uh, great success. But it doesn't seem like the transition is as daunting as maybe people thought it was before. Is that strictly because the style of play in college and pro is starting to mesh more than maybe it did a decade ago? Yeah, I also think those two coaches specifically are players' coaches, and players seem to love to play for Kingsbury and that he's this cool young guy, and that rule comes in with a high energy. I don't think Urban's that guy, so I'm curious to see how it goes. Urban Meyer, as much as his Ohio State and Florida players absolutely love and cherish him, he's not a necessarily player's coach. He's certainly a disciplinarian. He's going to be, uh, you know, hard line with a lot of these guys. So I think the game is always a little bit more advanced as far as scheme and, and uh, I guess, advancements and some different bold things in the college game. So anything that they're doing in the NFL, the college game probably saw a couple of years ago. And even if Urban hasn't been coaching necessarily in a day-to-day and doing the X's and O's on a nightly basis, he's very plugged in in college football. He's been covering college football. And I have no doubt that the RPO is not going to throw Urban Meyer for, for a major <laughs> loop. He's been seeing it for a decade, you know? He'll be able to figure it out, you think? So, He'll be able to do it, yeah. It's, uh, what, uh, Trevor Lawrence, um, obviously you guys have been talking about him tangently for a long time, I'm sure. Uh, how much conversation about that? How confident are you that he's the real deal? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I usually am a load of caution and skepticism on our show, and I'm very often the wet blanket of, all right, let's slow down. Let's see it before we, before we go nuts over this guy. But there's a couple of prospects in the last few years that I absolutely loved. I loved Joe Burrow last year, but I openly did not love Justin Herbert, and I did not love Tua. I thought those guys were getting crowned a little too early. Um, I feel that way about Zach Wilson right now. I feel that way in fields where – before we say let's push out Sam Darnold or even uh, Mitch Trubisky and let's crown these guys, uh, I don't know. What have they shown? Trevor Lawrence, he's the outlier. Trevor Lawrence is awesome. He's shown us everything. 
um, physically gifted, smart, has dealt with all the pressure the last three years, and experienced. He plays every year in such huge college football games and seems to deliver in all of them. I think he's a can't-miss prospect. And the really most underrated thing that I don't think has really been discussed with Jacksonville is you guys have a really good offensive line. Like, if Cam Robinson comes back, we're talking about an excellent offensive line. But when you go through the list of guys that are all coming back, I mean, it's four out of the five starters that we know, and it's consistent. So Minshew and Glennon and whoever else played last year, I got to say, they were fine, and, and they were well-protected. They weren't running for their lives, which I think is a huge thing. Because you look at Joe Burrow last year, he had to do a lot behind a makeshift offensive line, eventually did get injured. How much can a player like Lawrence, beyond just what he does on the field, impact for franchise? Uh, I guess how big a deal do you think he will be in the NFL and how soon? Obviously, he has to have success. But you don't always get sort of, I guess, ready-made brands coming in, if you follow me. He's a rarity yeah. in that everybody knows who this kid is, maybe even more so than they knew who Burrow was, right? Yeah, because Lawrence was winning national titles and playing in huge games before Burrow even got to suit up for them. I mean, it really is a three-year deal with Trevor Lawrence. He's fantastic. I look at it, there's like a handful, right? You got Andrew Luck, you got uh, John Elway, and I'm trying to think of another first overall pick that was such a sure thing. Trevor Lawrence is as the number one guy. Might be Peyton Manning, and even Peyton Manning had to fight off the Ryan Leaf comparisons and, and win that job. So I think he's once in every 20 years you get one of these guys that is just a complete slam dunk, maybe twice if you want to include Andrew Luck. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, your grandma knows Trevor Lawrence if she watches any sports. Your aunt knows Trevor Lawrence. Your nephew knows Trevor Lawrence. And it's before he's even suited up. It's like he's a household name already and he hasn't taken an NFL snap. That's a huge deal. What do you expect, uh, sort of shifting gears here to the league in general, um, as we move forward, obviously COVID is, remains a huge topic. But beyond that, what trends are you following right now, Peter? What interests you about the league right now that maybe I'm not thinking about? Uh, you know, something that's interesting, obviously, is the quarterback carousel. But I think big-name quarterbacks who have just gotten paid or are due big money speaking out and using their voice. I, You know, the Stafford trade happens, and then now you have the Wentz trade. But, gosh, both those guys, I don't even consider in the same breath as a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Right. When you're doing a daily show on Good Morning Football every morning, that's like gold to us, and it's not just us pulling crap out of thin air. When you've got agents talking on the record to Russell Wilson listing teams, and when you've got Deshaun Watson requesting trades, this is a brand new world and, you know, a brave new world. And as recent as a couple of years ago, if you were to tell me a, a quarterback would sign a $130 million contract and then demanding a trade less than six months later, I'd say, well, shame on that player. Shame on that player. That's not the narrative anymore. The narrative's like player empowerment, and these guys are going to want to have more and more say. So to me, that's the trend. Unhappy quarterbacks, despite being paid a ton and despite being given the keys to the franchise in the city, still wanting more and more. I, I'm just fascinated to see where it goes. At the risk of sounding like old get-off-my-lawn guy, is that good for the league or is it just is what it is? It is what it is. Yeah. And it wasn't good for the NBA. And now we have the NBA where you've got 
you know, Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant suiting up for the same team in some right. random city that none of them ever had any connection to. I'm curious to see if that comes to the NFL. Free agency is going to be interesting because I think a lot of players are going to be released because of salary cap issues and just the way that things are going to be in 2021. I think you're going to see a lot of guys bonding together and saying, hey, let's go get a ring, just as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a year ago. Boy, and it's funny. I'm with you. Five years ago, I would have never seen that, and I would have told you to my dying breath that you would never see it because football wasn't set up that way. But it really feels like it's going that way, doesn't it? You know, it, the, the crazy thing is the media narrative. No one is – all you hear about Deshaun Watson is what a great guy he is, and I kind of like it that we're not burying the players for doing this. And Russell Wilson, no one said a foul word about him, and it sounds absolutely ludicrous on paper that you would trade – or that he would want to be traded despite just signing a $130 million deal. I think the way the media is covering these players, and I think the way these players are speaking, uh, is definitely different. And wherever it goes, I'll be following it. Final question from this end, Peter. Um, how do you see free agency playing out? I Meaning, like you mentioned earlier, you anticipate significantly more guys being available, uh, but it feels like it's going to be a weird one because of the cap coming down. Do you anticipate the fans being able to see how different this is? I think it will be a weird year. I think that there's going to be a bit of a problem for the NFL's middle class. Uh, The 30-year-old player who makes in the top 40% of his position group might be gone, but I think there's still always going to be a star quality to this league. Those guys are going to get paid, but you know, I look around the league and there's a lot of players that probably don't know it this morning as we talk on March 1st that will be unemployed in a couple of weeks because these teams are going to be looking at the salary cap and saying, I do want to spend money, but gosh, I can get this player who's not that far off in value or, or in skill for a lot cheaper. I don't see a spending bonanza like we're used to in free agency. I think a lot of teams are going to be a lot more prudent in what they do as far as free agent acquisitions go. I said final question, but close us out talking about the Jags one last time. Yeah. Uh, one in 15 last year, uh, potential generational quarterback coming in. Uh, what's realistic for year one? And I know it's impossible because they haven't drafted yet. They haven't done free agency. Yeah. But, you know, you follow it again more than people locally do. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know what you think of the two first-round picks last year. I think they showed some promise, the corner and the defensive end, I think. Josh Allen had a, you know, for solid first two years of his career. I, there's talent on the Jaguars. It's not like they don't have talent, um, but it's a, it's a big lift to go from 1-15 to relevant. I would think Trevor Lawrence makes them at least interesting in a way that even Minshew didn't, who I thought Minshew had a spark to him and was fun to watch. But I think Trevor Lawrence is another worldly-type quarterback. There's only a few of them on the planet. He's one of them. At the very least, we're watching the Jaguars. I don't know if they're going to come out of the gates with a new coach, new offensive coordinator, and new quarterback year one, still in a pandemic, if you will, with the offseason, and if they're going to make a major splash. I would say this is a long-term deal. I would think that if we're looking at a 500 record or beyond, year one of Urban Meyer, I think that's a pretty fair goal to set. And, of course, he would say Super Bowl is the goal, and I appreciate that. But I'm just being realistic, especially in a loaded AFC South, which is what that is. So the headline will be that you're predicting playoffs. How's that? I'm predicting mediocrity. <laughs> yes, no, I'm predicting predicting a playoff possibility. But I think the headline is otherworldly Trevor Lawrence. I think that'll get me in a lot more trouble. 
No doubt. Peter Schrager, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know your schedule is packed, so I appreciate you taking a few minutes to uh, talk to us. Uh, Fantastic job as always. I look forward to seeing you down the road. I always appreciate you, my friend. I can't wait to see you again in person. Sadly, it won't be at the Combine, but hopefully soon, John. Hopefully soon. Someday soon, buddy. We appreciate you. All right, brother. Thank you.